0: I, I need to share three things before I get started. First is this: I just, from the bottom of my heart and my family's heart, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, such an outpouring of love. I I don't have words, and um, and I know those of you who have walked through this. Um, I, I know that it's it's been easy for me through all these years when your spouse passed away or your child passed away to put my arm around and, around you and just encourage you and say, okay, it's going to be alright. You're, you're going to be okay. And then the Lord lets me walk through it. And for all of those of you who I've put my arm around and said that, I'm, I'm looking, I've been watching you and I'm looking at you and I'm seeing how God has worked in your life and I trust that He will do the same in me as well and in my family as well I trust that I also stand here and I completely trust that that Bev is in the very presence of her Savior the one that we're singing to she's right there she she is experiencing the answer to Jesus's prayer when he said I pray that they may be where I am so they may see me and my glory and she's experiencing that. And I rejoice in that. Um, and to be honest, that's what, that's what gives me strength. I, I don't know how people without Jesus even think about doing this. Um, but I have all my life believed that to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And I know that's where she's at. I'm banking on it. I bank my life on it. I bank everything I do on that. And I bank the fact that I'm going to be there before Him as well. And, and that day will come. And I'll go. And it will be a glorious day as well. So, uh, it was interesting yesterday. I've got... <laughs> Friday it was a wonderful day Bev and I had together. Our, our, it was just wonderful. And we went to Ashland, and we traded in our little flip phone things, and we got iPhones. So I'm still trying to figure this out. But I got a message last night, and I need to read this because I'm, I really appreciate this message because I need to set something straight, okay? Here it is. First, the first amazing thing is I found it. Uh, candy wells sent me a note I, i'd asked if I, if she cared if i used her names and, and they were part of the singers up here on the stage and it was it, what a wonderful time of worship that was wednesday what a wonderful celebration and uh so out of that uh, she writes and says i would like to share a funny thing After our celebration of Bev Wednesday night, on the way home, Lindley asked, that's her daughter, is rum alcohol? And we were like, yes, and there was silence. And then I asked, why do you want to know that? And she replied, well, I just can't believe Rick called Tim to go get rum with him. We... we were all like, what? He said, Lindley continues, he said he called Tim to go take some rum to help get his head out of the clouds. (laughs) And then, oh my gosh, we all screamed in unison, run! He needed to take a run to clear his head. Wow, so glad we nipped that in the bud before rumors got started. So, Lindley, I love you, girl. Where are you? I love you. There you are in the end. Okay. And, uh, and I'm not a drunk, okay? And, and I'm still going to uh, trust Jesus instead of the bottle with this one. Uh, but I love that. So, yeah, if, if, if word starts going around, oh, Rick's wife died and he's just been hitting the bars now. It's really bad. You know, that that hadn't happened. Um, Second thing, I'm doing good. uh, I'm not moving too fast by being up here this morning. Listen, a long time ago, God called me to preach and to teach. And sometimes I've done it poorly, and sometimes I guess I've done okay, but I've been faithful to what I've been called to. And I don't know what else to do. I mean, what else could I be doing? Sitting at home, throwing a pity party, or whatever. And I choose not to do that. I choose that there is joy in the suffering and joy in the struggle. I choose that, and I choose that the call that God placed on my life hasn't changed one lick. Uh, Bev and I in our relationship—it went back to when we dated. It, we. We made it really clear to each other that for this relationship to move forward, it was always God first and then our spouse second, always. And, and I hope that's the same for you because it makes all the difference in the world that you serve God first so that when God sees fit to take away something below number one, you always have number one. And so I'm, I, I desire to be faithful to that. And I desire to be up here. And I don't believe I'm moving too fast. I know um, it's time for the kids to go home. They're, they're going to be leaving this afternoon. And, um, and I, but it's time to do this. It's time that I have to walk through that. And that's okay. That's okay. And then the third thing. And then with this, we'll dig into our sermon. Um, I find it interesting that when we, we started this series on the kingdom, it seems like ever since we started this series on the kingdom that all hell's broken loose. Um, and I really mean that. Uh, you know, Matt started us out with, with God's creation, God's rule. It's His. It's all, it all belongs to Him. And then we went to the rebellion that took place in heaven and then was carried out onto the earth. And the one who was leading that rebellion was none other than Satan. And Satan's uh, mode of operation is simply this, kill, steal, and destroy. And Peter would say, and devour. And boy, he does that well. He does that well. And, and it's going, that, kind of, that kind of action on Satan's part will eventually work to affect all of us. But if we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we are following our King Jesus, then no matter what Satan throws at us, there is still hope even in the devastation, even in the struggle. Because the day is coming. This is what I'm going to be talking about today. The day is coming... When there's going to be a trumpet blast and there's going to be a shout of an archangel and the clouds are going to split and the Son of God is going to return and, and He is going to absolutely destroy Satan's rebellion. He is going to destroy everything that goes with Satan's rebellion and we are going to be with Him forever. And that's going to happen. The Scripture says it's going to happen and I bank on that. I don't know if I'll be alive when it happens. I don't know if I'll be dead when it happens. But what I know is it's going to happen because he said so. So let's get started. If you'll take your outlines, and, and I, want to, I would like for you to go to Matthew chapter 24. These verses will be on the screen. And the first thing I want you to see is that the disciples equated the destruction of the temple with the return of Jesus. Jesus was talking about... He was prophesying about in 70 A.D. There would be that, that Jerusalem would just be completely overrun and that the temple would be destroyed, not one stone left upon another. And you'll see that in a second. And they equated that with, with Jesus returning as king and setting up his kingdom. Look, look in the first three verses of Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they're, they're equating what Jesus was saying with Jesus coming again and really him coming in his kingdom. They're going to ask that again, and I'll get to that towards the end of the message here. So what Jesus does in Matthew 24 is he provides signs to his disciples about when this will occur. And and he does it in in about 10 verses, picking it up in verse 4, Matthew 24. Uh, let's, Let's look at those now. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And these are the begin- all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now listen. If you're one of those sign seekers who are looking around, and every time you you watch the news, you're just making your checklist. Well, we can mark that one off. Jesus is coming back soon. This is really going to be disappointing to you. Because ever since Jesus spoke these words, and even before Jesus spoke these words, all of these signs were going on. This is the way the world has been. What Jesus was in essence saying is, me coming back and reestablishing the kingdom of God here on the earth in all, its, all of its fullness, it could happen at any time. It could happen at any time. But as we go on in Matthew 24, one of the things we notice is that Jesus says that his return will be triumphant. Now, Matt has spoken about this, Scott has spoken about this, and I've spoken about this. I think it's so important that we, we get this right I think it's important we get this right in our minds about when Jesus returns. And so, if you look at verse 27 of Matthew 24, Jesus simply says, For as lightning comes from the east, is visible even in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. And then we'll jump ahead a couple verses. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. And so when this, when this angel sounds the horn, this loud trumpet call, the triumph begins, the triumphant begins. And the picture, just real quickly as a reminder, the picture that everyone would understand when they would read this and when they were, would read and hear what Paul had written. Everyone would understand that when this king, Jesus, would return on the clouds, as the Scripture says, when he would return on the clouds, that just like when a conquering king or a Caesar would enter into a city and be coming into a city, that all the citizens of the the town, of the city, would rush out to meet the king and then usher the king back into the city. For, for a triumphant, for a celebration, because the enemies have been completely defeated. That's the picture that sits here. So I remember my dad explaining this to me. And, and you know, I, I was just uh, a young guy thinking about when, when Jesus would return. And I asked, Dad, how do, how do you think it's going to happen? And Dad basically just said this. And you know what? I I think he had it right. Because in saying this, he said, there are some things we know and there are some things we don't know. So all you guys who are trying to figure out everything about this, I'm sorry, you're going to be so frustrated. But dad said, when Jesus comes again, there will be the shout of the archangel. There will be the trumpet call of God. And then, then what will happen is that Jesus will come, and with Him will come all those who go before Him. And my wife will be in that bunch, along with your other loved ones. And all, all those who have gone before us, who have put their faith in Jesus, they will, they will come in, in that procession with Jesus. And we, as those who are still alive on this earth, if it would happen today, we will be caught up with them to the clouds, and there will be this great rejoicing. And, and then my dad said this, And then wherever Jesus goes from there, that's where we're going. And I went, You know what, Dad? I like that. Now, I think we can make a case in Scripture and go, and we're going to usher him right back here into the new earth, the new heavens. And, and, and I'm cool with that because I don't care if he goes to Cucamonga. Wherever he goes, I'm going. And that's, that's what I, I rejoice in. And I do struggle with everyone who knows exactly how that's going to happen. I feel like my dad was, was pretty good with that kind of explanation. So the the next question is, when will Jesus return and bring his kingdom fully to bear on his creation? When's this going to happen? And I just simply give you one verse, Matthew 24, verse 36. And and this is Jesus continuing his dialogue about the end times. He says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, so here we go. If you have an idea of when Jesus is going to return, then you know something Jesus doesn't know. Okay? And that's when I go, you know, you really got an ego problem. Um, we want to know. We, want, we, we would love to know. But that's not, how, that's not how it is. Simply put, when will Jesus return? We don't have a clue. Well, let's check out the signs. Well, the signs have always been here. So when's he going to return? It could be any time. But we don't know when. Now, I find a couple things interesting here. You see this in your outline. When you, when you read the Scriptures, I think this is, this is just my opinion, and, and I'm not certain I'm right about this. It's just an observation. But the disciples expected the imminent return of Jesus. They, you can tell that in their questioning. The disciples expected the imminent return of Jesus. And the only, it just intrigues me, why didn't the disciples sit down right after Jesus ascended into heaven? Why didn't they run to their homes, and and why didn't they just sit down and start writing the Gospels? Why were the Gospels given to us somewhere between the datings There's all kinds of datings on the Gospels, but somewhere between the mid-40s to the 60s, and some even want to go a little later with it. Why would they wait 10 years, 15 years, 20 years to begin to pen the works of Jesus? I I just think in my own mind that it probably did that, that the delay was probably simply related to that there wasn't anything to write down. He's coming back, and we're hanging out waiting on him. And until he comes back, we're simply going to be telling people about him. I don't know if I'm right, just me running things around in what Scott has always called our sanctified imaginations. Um, but, but it could be true, but they, they, they certainly expected his imminent return. What we do know is that according to, if we read two passages of scripture in Paul's writings, that Paul expected the imminent return of Jesus. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 and 52. He says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And you just sense him going, This is going to happen. We're going to be changed. It's going to happen, and Paul's expecting it to happen to him. And if you go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writes, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, look at this. And after that, we, he's, he's just talking about himself, we, us, who are still alive and left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So it's easy to read these and, and just sense in Paul's heart, in the, in the disciples, uh, it's, it's easy to sense that in their hearts they really believed that, that Jesus could just come at any moment. At any moment. Now, it's almost been 2,000 years since Jesus made these promises. Almost 2,000 years. And the question is, so what's he waiting on? I mean, isn't the world bad enough? Come on, Jesus. Isn't Satan's uh, little devastation gig he's doing, isn't, isn't it enough? Let's get, let's get it on the road. And so I'd like for you to look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, because this is where you and I come into play. And this is really important you grab this. First of all, Peter writes in, in verse 3 of chapter 3, You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they'll say, where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world at that time was deluged or flooded and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it laid bare. Listen. What's he waiting on? He's waiting on that moment... When what I believe is the last person that he knows who will accept Jesus as Savior, who will acknowledge Him as King of kings, who will pledge their allegiance to Him as their King, when that last person repents, the curtain comes down and the King returns. And, you know, listen, when I would hear people talk about the end times, (laughs) I would get scared to death. It would just freak me out. But i got to tell you this. The idea that God loves his creation so much, number one, not only that he would send his son to give his perfect life for us, on the cross, who had rebelled against him, not only would he give his life, but then he would return to claim his creation as his own and destroy Satan. That brings joy. That brings peace. That brings hope. That brings what I am looking forward to when the king of kings comes again because he is king. He is Lord, and He's the one who rules over all. Watch this little video with me.
1: He's the loftiest idea in literature he's the highest personality in philosophy he's a fundamental doctrine of true theology he's the only one qualified to be at all sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well framed of wisdom. He's a doorway Mind. You see, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outmend him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him but they found out.
0: See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. And when He had taken it, The four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests, a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them singing, to him who sits on the throne, and to the lamb be praise, and honor, and glory, and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped And then I go over to chapter 11 of Revelation and read verses 15 and 16. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God. Listen, when the king returns, the response of all creation is worship. It'll be the response of of all of us. Next week, this is just a a little shameless plug, but next week, we're going to be talking about worship. We're going to be talking about the conspiracy of the kingdom. What it means to live this kingdom life. How are you to live it? How am I to live it? And I'm not going to be preaching. Matt's not. Scott's not. We're, we're going to have Dave Dowdy come and share with us. Dave is the pastor at Revolution. On Sunday evenings, he teaches right back here in the student center at 630. He's come a long way, man. He's grown up so much. And God has done such a good work in his life. And next weekend, he's gonna stand here and he's gonna share about worship. And he's scared to death. (laughs) You guys are an intimidating bunch, you know? Uh, But I'm looking forward to him coming. And I hope you'll be here because it's so important that you, you understand worship in the framework of living this Christian life, in the framework of gathering together as a body and then in, a, in the framework of living it outside of these walls, and he'll be sharing that. When he comes again, or until he comes again, until Jesus comes again, what kind of person should we be? What kind of person should we be? Well, we're not left without an answer there. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 14 says this, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? and at peace with Him. Holy, godly, spotless, blameless, at peace with Him. What kind of lives are we, we to live? That kind of life. What does that mean? It simply looks like this. It means that God takes you when you repent of your sin. And, and you, you are saved from your sin. And the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. He sets you apart to be a representative of His kingdom. That's what it means, and that's what it looks like. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, because you're not. None of us are going to reach that. But we are going to have the perfect one living in us and empowering us to live for Him. And isn't it kind of interesting that as we do that, the Scripture says that you could speed His coming? Isn't that that interesting? That you and I might actually be able to participate in speeding up his coming? How would that happen? Well, I think this is how it would happen. Go over to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And Jesus is is getting ready to ascend into heaven. And and here's, here's what Luke writes and records in Acts chapter 1. So when they met together, they asked him, meaning the disciples and all those on the mount where he was getting ready to ascend, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they're asking the question again that they asked in Matthew 24, in essence. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by His own authority. It's not for you to know that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How do we speed His coming? We speed His coming by doing what we have been set apart to do. And that is to represent Jesus to this world because who knows? I mean, just think about this. If the last person that is to repent that Jesus is waiting on before, to repent before He comes again, what if that person were living in southern Ohio and northern Kentucky? And you go, oh, and that, that couldn't happen. Well, heck, we lead in the drug trade. I mean, we might as well lead in that too. What, what if that person is here? And if that person's here, what if we're walking? What if that person is a coworker? What if it's our neighbor? What if it's someone in our own family? And we just go, you know what, we need to tell them, but and we just keep on going by. What? We're missing it. We have been set aside for that. We've been set aside to represent our king we haven't been saved to get all the toys we haven't been saved so that we can just be busier we haven't been saved so that we can get a promotion in our job and so that we can have a bankroll somewhere that's not why you were saved we haven't been saved so that we could be healthy We haven't been saved so that we could just be the smartest person on earth. We've been saved so that we represent the kingdom here and point those who are blinded by the king of this world, by the prince of this world. We talk to them, and we share the hope of Jesus with them. And how cool would that be if you... (laughs) Let me just think about this. If you... We're sharing Christ with someone. And they said, you know what? I I want him. I want him. I want to follow him. And you prayed with that person. And you bowed your head. And in the next moment, the king is standing right in front of you because he came back going, dude, what were you waiting on? I've been wanting to come back, but just waiting on you to tell that person. You know? I think that's kind of cool. Because he's coming back one day So until then uh, I I gotta do this You just have to allow me time to do it Where's my son? There you are, okay Let me come back here She was uh, asleep last night Okay, go back to sleep, honey This is Cora, Cora May. On Friday, while we were on our way to the emergency room, my son and his wife, John and Becky, they were at the hospital in Cincinnati in labor. And in this irony of ironies, Cora May was born as Jesus was taking my wife home. And I remember her saying that uh, she hoped that she'd be able to hold him if there were treatments she had to have, that they could have her so that she could hold Cora before she started having treatments. And um, that didn't happen. But while we were there in the emergency room by by the bedside, we all got a text, All our phones, ding, ding, even mine, my new iPhone. Uh, What is that? Uh, And John had just sent us a text. Cora's been born. And accompanying it was a picture. And uh, Bev hadn't had much pain medication at the time. So she was still coherent and... Jeremy said, Cora's been born. And he brought his iPhone over and showed it to Bev. Oh, I know you're so sweet. And she rolled over and uh, when, she, when she rolled over and, and looked at the picture, she smiled, she talked about the hair on her head. She just made over her for just a couple minutes. And then she went and rolled back and went back to just struggling with her pain until they gave her medication and Really, after that, we just didn't get a chance to talk because she was just struggling so much. But I got to tell you this. You see this little baby here? This little baby needs to know Jesus. Our prayer, Bev and I's prayer had always been, first, that our kids would know Jesus. And we weren't perfect parents. I mean, we prayed for them, but we—I mean—we're jacked up as everybody else. Um, but they know Jesus, and they married my son-in-law, my two daughter daughters-in-law. I don't know how you say that plural, but married them, and they love Jesus, and they're spending their energies first in their home to share Jesus with their children so that they'll know Jesus. And I know John and Becky will be doing that for Cora. But is just one in a whole world full of people. In our community, where you and I live and where we operate, they need to know Jesus. And so I'm simply, when I turn you loose, this is what I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to compel you to do this. But God didn't save you so that you could hang out here on Sunday mornings with a bunch of people and then just go back and do what you do. God saved you so that then you can go and tell others. We have the answer. It is not political. It is not financial. It is Jesus. And he is the answer. Why can't we share that? inside our families? Why can't we share that with our spouse, our children, our neighbors, our co-workers? We got work to do. And I want you to jump in with me and let's keep going as we walk this walk together, representing the kingdom of God, because our king is returning one day. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your wonderful grace and mercy. I thank you that as King of Kings, you've got us in your hand. And now I'm asking you to use us as your instruments of grace so that when we go out of here, you will use us to proclaim your salvation, your kingdom into this world. We love you and give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next weekend, all right?